Hi, welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Overcoming Life's Obstacles. This is Jerry McGee with Abiding Life Ministries. And each time that we are on the air, we, um, we're striving to teach principles of the overcoming life. Tonight we'll be teaching on why we faint. Um, we'll be scheduled um, each month on the first and the third Thursdays of each month from 6 to 8 p.m., Central Time. Um, you can go on my website to jerrymcgee.com or abidinglifeministries.org, and you can find um, articles to read. You can find books that you might be interested in purchasing. I wrote little books on rejection, on grief. Um, Clearing the Land is a little book that I wrote in 1985. It's it's been in Russian and Spanish. And it basically has gone all over the world. You can actually get deliverance just going through the book because it leads you in prayers to renounce generational curses, occult things that you've been involved in. And basically you can get deliverance just going through this little book and praying the prayers. You know, the uh, deliverance in a nutshell is just James 4, 7. Give yourself to God and resist the devil and he'll flee. So if you've got bondage in any area of your life, there's, there's sin in your life. Is what's opened you up to a demonic spirit, demonic spirits, and praise God, we can get free because Jesus Christ died on the cross at Calvary, shed His precious blood, and the Bible says that He spoiled principalities and powers, making an open show of them, triumphing over them at the cross. And there's power in the name of Jesus, and there's power in repentance. Without repentance, we can't get free. Uh, but Abiding Life Ministries was founded in 1978 by my late husband, Bob McGee. And um, I've been in deliverance for like 34 years. And um, the reason is that it works. I can I can just praise God that without deliverance, um, I would still be held captive in so many areas of my life. I've overcome so much in my life. But at the end of the program, when I get through teaching... If you want to call in for special prayer, the number is 646-595-4784. And don't forget to press 1, and then that will connect you. Also, I want to mention that I have Duncanville seminars if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I have uh, meetings monthly in Duncanville, Texas, on the second Saturday of the month. And if you go into my website, jerrymcgee.com, and Jerry is spelled G, like George, E-R-I, M-C, capital G-H-E-E, dot com, um, and sign up for the email. I'll send a flyer out when I'm going to be in Duncanville and, and, of course, other places where I teach. If, you, um, if you're being blessed and you would like to schedule a meeting in your area, you can Call me or email me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net or you can call me at 903-882-1965. Now, if you're calling internationally, don't call on that number because it goes into my cell phone. Call 903-882-4200. And so um, just to tell you a little bit about my website, there's a testimony on there of my my youngest son died of AIDS in 1989, 
and there is a <clears throat> there's a video called Todd's Greatest Regret. You can see it on you can watch it online on my website, or also you, it's on it's gone all over the world on YouTube. And there's free articles to you know that you can read. There's also CDs that you can listen to for free. And then there's also materials, books. Um, I wrote a book called Re- Resetting Life's Negative Reaping Patterns, which is a um, it's a a book that tells you how to reset negative uh, negative reaping in your life. You know, we all have a set of things to reap, either good or bad. There's good things we reap, but there's also bad things we reap. And we can say, well, this always happens to me. That always happens to me. But in the book, it shows you how to reverse that and change, uh, have God change a negative reaping to a positive reaping. Uh, there's a book I wrote on grief calling calls um, overcoming sorrow with joy, and um, that book basically uh, just shares all the the grievous things that have happened to me in my life and how that I overcome those things. Um, the most grievous thing I think is when my um, my boys were twelve and eight, and my husband left me for his secretary, and that was probably the greatest suffering that I ever went through was a broken heart. But praise God. You know, God, God says when you delight yourself in him that you'll have the desires of your heart. Then, you know, I thought I wanted my husband back, but I see that had I continued in this marriage that I wouldn't be doing today what is the light of my heart, and that's to serve the Lord. And that's basically that's what I want to live for is I want to spend the rest of my life living for the Lord. But tonight I want to share on a fainting spirit. A fainting spirit is um, it's a person that, that uh, if they're a fainter, it's like they may be having a good day and a problem comes up and they, they're like one of these little paper airplanes. They're soaring, but then a problem comes up and they take, they take a nosedive. And so it really comes in because we have a perverted image of God. The Bible says it's a throne of grace we can go to. And at the throne of grace, we get strengthened, confirmed, established, and perfected. If we don't go to God's throne of grace for mercy in time of need, we come short of the grace of God and we receive a root of bitterness. And so, you know, God uses trials in your life to conform you to his image, to to bring about a realignment of your life to the word of God. Um, it says in Romans eight twenty eight that everything works together for good to those that love the Lord to the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed into the image of his son. And so uh, the purpose of the trial is to inform you into the image of Christ. Now, you know, people quote that scripture saying everything works together for good to those that love the Lord. Well, it doesn't unless you allow it to conform you into God's image. And the way you get conformed into God's image is when you go through trials, if you go to God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the commander-in-chief of all the armies of heaven, you go to God and he will strengthen you, confirm you, establish you, and perfect you in that trial. Um, he will realign you with the word of God. He, You know, he, God allows the problems to, to bring us back into alignment with the word of God. And when there's a problem, there's an area of our life where we're not lined up. And so it's, it's called God's discipline. He, the Bible says he disciplines every son whom he loves. And, you know, for the moment, all discipline doesn't seem pleasant, but it seems uh, sorrowful 
but God says that at the end time, that in the end, it will um, it will produce righteousness uh, by those who have been trained by it. And so God wants to use our trials to discipline us, and not because He's angry. Now, if you're if you're a rebellious person, yes, you'll get a whipping, and yes, it will be painful. And yes, he he is angry about sin, but of course he says if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And so if you're deliberately rebellious, yes, you'll get a spanking. But you know, but if you're submitted to God, as submitted as you know how to be, and you go through a trial and you go to the throne of grace and ask God, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? Then He will show you, and then you line yourself up with Him. You confess your sin. You, and you and the, and the Bible says that he will strengthen, confirm, establish, and perfect you. And there's a throne of grace we can go to, and it's a place where we go to God. And the reason a person faints is that when they go through a trial, they have a perverted image of God. They may want to go to God, but they don't think God wants them. Depending on how you grow up, you know, your parents model for us a picture of what God's like. And so uh, if you grew up with a parent that was a liar you have a hard time believing that god's not a liar because parents uh, a child's image of god is formed by how he sees his earthly parents and so however his parent is say say his daddy was a liar well the the lie is that you know don't go to god because he's a liar too or if if your parents didn't love you the lie is well god doesn't love me either or if um, if your parents wouldn't forgive you, the lie is God won't forgive me either. Or a lot of people, you know, their parents never give them direction. They never guide them. So the lie is no use going to God because he doesn't tell you anything. He doesn't help you. He doesn't uh, lead you or guide you because you're parents. And so you see we have a perverted image of God the Father. God is nothing like our earthly parents. God is perfect. Um, he will never leave us, fail us, or forsake us, the Bible says. And, of course, many of you listening right now have grown up in homes where your parents failed you, forsook you, weren't there. You were latchkey kids. You were left as an orphan. God says, I won't leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. God says, I will never leave you, fail you, or forsake you. Uh, God is perfect in all of his ways. The Bible says that God, God is not a man that he should lie. God can't even lie. The Bible says we'll know the truth, the truth sets us free. So when we go to the throne of grace, the Bible says if we're if we're asking God, um, if we go to the throne of grace, he, we will know the truth. If we abide in the Word, we'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And so, the minute you the minute you know the truth, you're already free. I remember a lady that called me. She was having problems with her hip, and she was going to have to have hip surgery. And so I asked her, and she said she was a pastor of a church. And I don't even know this lady. I've never heard from her since. And when she called me that day, I didn't know her. I think she was calling me from Oklahoma or someplace. And so um, she said, I'm getting ready to have to have hip surgery. Do you have any insight? And I said, well, when you were growing up, did you have to carry your brothers and sisters on the hip? Which really is a picture of a child that grows up having to be the mama and the daddy, having to be the babysitter of all the siblings. And so, and, and you know, when a child has to be the mama or daddy and is, parental inverted, which means that he's having to be the responsible one, having to take care of the kids, they're cheated out of their, their uh, childhood because God, God means for a parent to nurture a child, take care of a child, 
watch over a child, to help that child. Uh, God does not want it to be reversed because when a child grows up having to be parental inverted, they're pushed into a role of authority that God never intended for them to be. And so there's bitterness in whatever area they were violated. And so when I asked this lady, I said, did you ever have to carry your brothers and sisters on your hip? She said, how did you know? And she said, my mother was, I don't know why her mother was mentally ill or something wrong with her mother where she had to be the mama and she had to be the daddy. Well, carrying her brothers and sisters on the hip in the spirit realm, wherever you're wounded is where the pain is. And so because uh, she was bitter that she had to be the mama, the daddy, the babysitter, uh, and in the spirit realm, like uh, carry somebody on your hip is a picture of you carrying them. And so that was a bitterness there. And I said, and now you're pastor of a church, and because you were trained up to carry everybody, now you're carrying your whole congregation, and there's bitterness there. And she said, you don't have to pray for me. I'm already healed. See, when she heard the truth, the truth set her free. So wherever you're hurt is where the pain is. The Bible says remove vexation from your heart and put pain out of your body. And the way we do that, is to forgive mother, daddy, in this case, in her case, forgive her mother and father that she had to be the mama, the daddy, break soul ties with brothers and sisters, because in the spirit realm, they were still on her hip, and she was still carrying that. And then Bible says, uh, parents, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline instruction of the Lord. And so wherever we don't, a parent does not align themselves with the word of God in training us up, then we have an automatic issue there of bitterness, of anger, of fear, of whatever the violation is. And so, anyway, it's the truth that sets us free. And so God wants to use our trials to correct the mistakes in our life. And this is the sanctification process. When Jesus died on the cross, blood, uh, in the, in the, um, spiritually, he sanctified us. But then he tells us that we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Well, how we do that is to go to God and say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this incident? And then repent accordingly of what he's trying to teach us. And then he strengthens, confirms, establishes us, perfects us. And in that particular area, we get conformed in the image of Christ. And, you know, God wants us to grow from strength to strength and glory to glory. And this is how we do that. Now, if we keep these things down in our heart, these unresolved issues, they'll eventually work out in our body in sickness, as it was, as it happened to this particular lady who was a precious pastor, because she didn't she didn't know how to deal with the vexation in her heart. Um, that the in the truth set us free, but when we when we see what happened as children, a lot of times it comes in generationally, or it comes in through. How we were how we were trained up in our childhood. If we don't deal with it, it works out in our body and physical sickness. And because in the spirit realm, this pastor had been carrying her brothers and sisters uh, on her hip, the pain was manifesting in her hip. And so, removing vexation from your heart, the Bible says you can put pain out of your body. There's mental pain, emotional pain, physical pain, uh, sexual pain. And so when we remove the vexation from our heart, we can put uh, pain out of our body. And so God uses these trials in our life to cor- correct us. 
And so a fainter is a person that when he goes through a trial, because he doesn't go to God, he, he crashes. He, he takes a nosedive. He goes from having a happy day into a pit of, of despair and a pit of depression because he doesn't go to God because there's only one place you get strengthened, confirmed, established, and perfected, and that's to go to God with whatever trial it is. And so you'll get either bitter or you'll get better when you go to God and deal with your uh, whatever the issue is uh, according to his his will and according to his, the word he gives, then you get um, you get better. But when you don't go to God, you come short of the grace of God, and you receive a root of bitterness. Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 15 says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, and the sin which so easily be entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, it says, because we have a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, not only Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but we have holy angels and demon powers that are watching us. And when we, when we operate according to the word of God, the Bible says that God's angels watch over his word to perform it. When we don't operate according to the word of God uh, and we come short of God's grace, then the demons watch over Satan's word to perform it, which is the opposite of God's word. And so that's why, because of we're being watched by angels, we're being watched by demons. And so we want the angels to work with us and we don't want the demons to work with us. And And then it tells us how to do this by fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith, uh, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then it goes on to say, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart or faint or give up, quit, bail out, what that means. You know, a fainter, they... They want to give up and they want to quit and they want to bail out. And if they're married, they want to divorce. And the Lord really taught me this about a fainting spirit because uh, when I married my husband, he would, anytime there was a trial, he would take a nosedive. And I had never, because I grew up with a mom and dad that loved me and not, I didn't grow up with parents that were fainters. You know, they might make you faint. They were kind of people that kind of hung in there and let the front end drag kind of people. And so when I married my husband is that he would stay in bed, you know, depressed. And I didn't understand what in the world this was, but it was a fainting spirit. And he was he had been an illegitimate child. And when a child is conceived illegitimately, they are born with a spirit of lust. They're born with a root of rejection. They're born with a spirit of shame. They're born with rebellion because they're conceived in lust and rebellion. And babies can hear in the womb. You know, when John the Baptist heard Mary's voice, the Bible said he leapt for joy in Elizabeth's womb. And so in a negative way, if, if you know, this was a positive thing for John the Baptist to hear uh, Mary's voice, Mary, the mother of Jesus, hear um, her voice, but in the negative, it works the same way. When when a child is illegitimately conceived, meaning meaning uh, parents get pregnant out of wedlock, uh, immediately the mama doesn't want the child. She may adore it after it's born, but immediately I've got a problem. The babies can receive the mother's emotions. Plus, 
babies can hear if grandma and grandpa are upset or if people don't want them. And so um, they're born with a root of rejection. And, you know, if a person is, if a parent even contemplates abortion, they hear that. And many people are fear have a fear of being killed because their parents contemplated aborting them when they were in the womb. But it goes on in Hebrews says, uh, the way you do this is consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you not grow weary and lose heart, faint, give up, quit, bail out, what that means. You have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in the striving against your sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord or faint when you're reproved of him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges, means slays alive every whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. Um, for what son is there whose father does not discipline? But if you're without discipline, of which you've all become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. In other words, you're, ba- you're spiritual bastards. And this is really a picture of a person that believes in Jesus, but they never deal with their sin. They never deal with their issues. They continue fading, fainting. They continue being overwhelmed and overcome by problems rather than go to God's throne of grace to get strengthened, confirmed, established, and protect and, and um, established and perfected in that trial. And so if, if we never deal with our sin and we never go to God for discipline, the Bible says we're bastards. We, we don't even belong to him. And so, um, so and, I, and I pray that, that God will use this message to cause you in the future to go to God the Father when you have a problem. Because if you don't go to him, you're going to want to give up, quit, bail out. But if you go to him, you get strengthened, confirmed, established, and perfected. It goes on in Hebrews to say, Furthermore, we all had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Now, this word respected in, in a positive sense means that we can respect our mother and father. But, you know, sad to say, so many people nowadays can't respect, I mean, we're, we're commanded to do that, but because a parent is living in sin, they're on drugs, they're committing adultery, they're whoremongers, they're not training us up in the way we should go, they're, they're, they're violating God's word that says train up your children in the way they should go, don't provoke them to anger. And so uh, because of that, very few people nowadays can respect their earthly parents. But it means in a good sense that if you could respect them, you respected them. But in a negative sense, if you could not respect them, it means that you were confounded, confused, made to be mixed up and feel damned and uneasy. And this is where a person right here uh, receives a perverted image of God because he couldn't respect his earthly parents. And let me just say, uh, parents, teach your children to respect you. I see these little bitty kids hitting their mother and father, slapping their mother and father. Well, if they're allowed to do that when they're little kids, what do you think they're going to do when they're teenagers? They'll they'll knock you out. And so God God commands the parents to discipline their children. That doesn't necessarily mean a spanking. It means to correct mistakes. It means to uh, be like a 
like if you ever seen an ice skater with their trainer or a runner with his trainer running along, you know, to tra- you know to train, to teach, to to guide, direct, to to straighten paths, to correct mistakes. That's what it means. For they, this our earthly parents, disciplined us for a short time, which seemed best for them. But He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who've been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Okay, this right here shows you um, the main, one of the main reasons why people have weak knees, why they're feeble, uh, why they, they're lame in their feet, why they have feet problems, lame problems, hand problems, is because God says make straight paths for your feet. In other words, line your life up with the word of God, and when you do that, deliverance comes. You don't even need a deliverance minister because uh, the demons are there because of sin. And the minute you align your life with the word of God, according to James 4, 7, uh, you give yourself to God and resist the devil and he has to flee. That's deliverance right there. And it says, make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame, in other words, you're just lame right now, but if you don't, if you don't strengthen hands that are weak and, and make straight paths for your feet, then, then you're going to be, uh, it's going to be worse than lame. You're going to be put out of joint, but it gives you a choice, but rather be healed. And I'm so thankful that God taught me to align my life with the Word of God. I give him all the glory. I mean, I have not been to a doctor in 24 years, but when I have a problem, I go to the throne of grace. I ask God, what, Lord, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? And I think a few weeks, a few weeks from last month when I was on the program, I had uh, a congestion in my chest. Uh, I, I must have coughed and sneezed uh, 500 times at least. And, and I knew it was God disciplining me because I'd been running off the mouth about uh, some politicians and about things that were going on with elections and all the crooked deals that were going on. And I was running off at the mouth at that. And God says, we're not to speak evil of any man. And I, and so God was disciplining me. You know, God says, let no unwholesome words proceed from your mouth, but only words that edify and give grace to those that hear. Well, I wasn't doing that. And so I began to repent and the Lord totally healed me without even uh, an aspirin. I mean, I had, uh, I didn't call the doctor. I called on Jesus, the great physician, and he showed me my sin, and I went to the throne of grace. I got corrected, and I thank God for his discipline. The Bible says whoever loves discipline loves his whole soul, and so I'm thankful that God has taught me to love discipline, to love for him to tell me what's wrong, and I've got things that still, you know, I'm asking him to show me, what's wrong but i praise god he's given me the answers as fast as i'm able to handle them you know he knows how feeble that we are humanly and so he 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 doesn't put more on you than you can take and he knows exactly what to give you when to give it to you it goes on to say and pursue peace with all men which means we have to forgive everybody uh and the sanctification or the holiness without which no one would see the lord no one will see the lord Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And, of course, um, if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. 
And, you know, I like to use this illustration. God's the potter and we're the clay. The clay doesn't do anything but submit to the potter, come under the control of the potter. The clay, with all of the junk in our life, if our lives are full of junk, we're just clay full of junk, we yield to the potter, and God, the potter, takes the trash out. But we have to come to him and yield to him so he can take the trash out. I mean, that's one thing he expects us to do, but he does the rest. Our part is to yield to him. God's part is to do all the rest. And so being on the potter's wheel is a picture of being under God's control. Does it mean I'm perfect? No, I'm just clay full of junk. But the potter takes out the junk. He fashions the clay. He molds it. He shapes it. He makes it, to what, makes it into what he created it to be. And, you know, people that try to turn the potter's wheel, it's rebellion. I mean, I, I may have good intentions to try to fix myself, but if I'm not on the potter's wheel, I'm in rebellion. If I'm off the potter's wheel trying to turn the potter's wheel, trying to make myself perfect, hey, uh, that's rebellion because I'm off the potter's wheel. The potter does the job, not me. But I have to yield my life to the potter. And sometimes when people hear messages of repentance, they think, oh, dear God, there's no hope for me. I'm just too bad, all too bad. We're all a work in progress, every last one of us. Um, and you will not be perfected until you enter eternity. But, you know, God tells us to be holy as he's holy, be perfect as he's, ho- as he's perfect. Well, how do we be holy as he's holy, perfect as he's perfect? Uh, we don't do it by turning the potter's wheel. But when we yield to the potter, then it, it's kind of like the, the potter's wheel is like an altar to God. You know, in the Old Testament, the a God would not take a sacrifice that was blemished or tarnished or uh, feeble or blind. The, the sacrifice had to be perfect. But when we present our body to God as a living sacrifice, according to Romans 12:1, um, I've got a problem. Because I'm flawed, uh, I have a problem because I have areas where I'm um, spiritually blind. I have areas where um, I'm not, where I've got things wrong with me. And so if God tells me to present my body to him as a living sacrifice and he won't take a, a, a flawed sacrifice, well, I've got a problem and so do you. But it's it's a picture of coming to God, getting on the altar, and then the blood that spills out is the perfect blood of Jesus that spilled out on that altar. And God looks down, and he doesn't look at my clay full of junk. He looks at, um, he looks at the, his blood. The Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, even with all our mess, because Christ lives in us. And so if, if you go through a trial, yield to the potter. And I want to say this, too. You may feel like your life is a mess, that you're a failure, that you there's no good purpose of your life. Do you know that if you yield to the potter and you stay on the potter's wheel and let him fashion you into what he foreordained for you to be, you couldn't miss God even if you tried. So just stay yielded to the potter, and the potter does the rest. That's a, an encouraging word for me because if you try to turn the potter's wheel, it's a picture of legalism. It's a It's a picture of... Um, having a religious spirit. And so the Bible goes on to say in Hebrews 12, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, 
that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and many be defiled. And so when we go through a trial, if we come short of the, the throne of grace, then we receive a root of bitterness. If we go to God, we get sweet. We get um, perfected. Uh, we get better. We come short of the grace of God. We receive a root of bitterness. And as I said earlier, the reason we come short of the grace of God is because we don't see God in his character. We don't see God as he truly is because of the, the judgments we've made on our mother and father. We have a perverted image of God. In Hebrews 4, verse 15 through 16, it says, For we have a high priest, which can, um, is Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but in all points was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy to find grace to help in time of need. Um, we either go to God's throne of grace to receive mercy in time of need, or we come short of the grace of God and receive a root of bitterness. Uh, we faint because we have a poor image of God, a perverted image of God, which causes us to think that God's like our parents. Um, because parents model for us a picture of what God's like. You know, unlike many parents these days, God has uh, nothing but good qualities and is of impeccable character. Uh, we can talk to God about anything. We can, uh, when we talk about God's the attributes attributes of God um, we are talking about his nature who God is and his a manifested character uh, I'm just going to share a few uh, of God's attributes there's so many you couldn't list them all it's just endless but God is perfect and he has no flaws uh, and he's nothing like our earthly parents and so as we go through these I would just trust that God's going to cause uh, you to have a an appreciation of who God is. We can say then with the psalmist, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he's good. And I love this scripture. There's a scripture, and I didn't write down the the address of it, but where it says, all my bones shall say, oh, there's no one like you, God. And so God wants us, as we, every time we get delivered, uh, there's a rejoicing that comes in our heart. God's omnipotent means he's all-knowing. God is everywhere. He has all knowledge. Uh, his knowledge is complete. Um, he knows where you are. He knows what you think. He knows what you're going to do before you do it. He knows what's going on with you. He knows your future. He knows your weaknesses, and he knows your strengths. So you can't hide anything from God. Um, this is called his omniscience. Isaiah said that um, Israel had not seen everything that God had planned. Uh, Isaiah 40 verse 2, 20, I'm sorry, Isaiah 40 verse 28 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator, on the, of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither uh, is he weary. There is no, there is no searching of his understanding. 
Job 37, verse 16 says, God is perfect in knowledge. I used to love to hear my friend Joyce Green, who uh, is deceased with Jesus. She, she's with Jesus now. I used to love her hear her say, God is so smart, and he certainly is. What a smart God. He has it all figured out. We don't even have to do that. Psalms 14, verse 7 through, I'm sorry, Psalms 147, verse 5 says, the psalmist says that God's understanding is infinite, great is the Lord, and great is his power, and his understanding is infinite, which means immeasurably great. First John 3:22 says, and whatever our heart does not condemn us, for God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. Romans 11, verse 33 says, Oh, the the depths and the riches of God, the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable uh, are his judgments and unfathomable are all his ways. The next thing about God, he's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. God is able to bring to pass everything that he chooses. He has no external limitations except the limitations that he's put on himself. The book of Job says that God can do all things and there's nothing uh, that can resist him. Job 42 says, I know that you can do all things and no purpose of, of yours can be thwarted. Now that's an encouraging word. That God's plans and purposes cannot be thwarted. Uh, in Genesis verse uh, chapter 18 verse 14, it simply asks, Is anything too hard for the Lord? And, of course, the answer is no. There's nothing too hard for him. The next thing about God, he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at once. He's always there. He doesn't abandon you like your parents, like some of your parents did. God is everywhere. Um, He'll never leave you, fail you, or forsake you. Neither height nor death nor angels nor principalities can separate you from the love of God, which was in Christ Jesus. God will not abandon you. God's um, omnipresence speaks to the fact that he is present in all places at all times. While God is in heaven on his throne, he's also present in every place. He can be everywhere at once. Proverbs, he is everywhere at once. Proverbs 15, verse 3 says, eyes are in every place. He watches over you. Jeremiah says that God is close at hand and that no one can hide himself from God. Jeremiah 23, verse 23 and 24, it says, am I God who is near, declares the Lord, uh, and not a God that is far off? Can a man hide himself in hiding places so that I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do not, uh, do, do I not feel the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? And the classic passage on God's omnipresence is found in Psalms 139, 7, 12. It says, where the psalmist says that he can never be out of the sight of God. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the 
of the dawn if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea. Furthermore, even your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light which surrounds me will be night, even there the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. God is immutable, which means he's unchanging. It means he's constant. He's dependable. He's steady. He's steadfast. Absolutely unchanging. And for this reason, um, the attributes he possesses were the same ones he possessed uh, from the foundations of the world. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalms 90 verse 2 says that before anything was created, God was eternal and existed in the same state that he is now. In Malachi 3 verse 6, it says, I am the Lord. I change not. God is holy. That means he's without sin. And through all of the attributes, Though all the attributes of God are important, God wants to, uh, I think God wants, and, and each each of God's attributes are dependent upon the other. But the fact that his holiness seems to be the one that he wants to put emphasis on, he's holy. And he says that we're to be holy as he's holy. We're to be righteous as he's righteous. And, of course, we can only do that when we're yielded to the potter because that's the only time we're not sinning is when we're on the potter's wheel. So God is holy. Uh, You know, Isaiah called God the Holy One more than 30 times. Psalms 99 verse 9 says, The Lord God is holy. Because of his holiness, he will not accept or even look upon sin. Habakkuk 1.13 says, Your eyes are too pure to appear evil. And you cannot look upon wickedness with favor. God's righteous. That means he's perfect. His holiness is manifested in his righteousness. Because he's holy or righteous, it means he's right, he's righteous, he's wise, he's just according to his divine law. One ten, I'm one sixteen, verse five says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Ezekiel nine 15 says that God is righteous. There's many verses in the word of God that declare his righteousness. Psalms 129 verse 4, the Lord is righteous and he is cut into the cords of the wicked. Psalms 145 verse 17 says the Lord is righteous and in all his ways and he's kind in all his deeds. Jeremiah 12 One says, Righteous are you, O Lord, that I may plead my case with you. God is sovereign. God's sovereignty is how he rules his creation. Uh, He's complete. He's given us a free will to obey or reject his Leading, God does what he uh, chooses to do. The entire uh, first chapter shows that God's 
authority and his sovereignty over his creation. And I guess this is in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. The Bible is full of passages that show God leading, is commanding people to do certain things. And God is love. And this, this perhaps is the attribute that people quote the most, God is love. You know, even if a person, and you're trying to deal with a person about sin, well, they say, well, God is love. He's merciful. He wouldn't do this. He wouldn't do that. Don't kid yourself. God is merciful. He's loving. He's just. And he's a God that gets angry over sin. You know, what's sad to say is many churches don't even teach about sin. And let me tell you, if you're in a church that's not teaching you to repent of your sin, you need to go to a church that does deal with your sin because that's why come to church is so that we can leave different. And I'm thankful that I was telling my son, who is my pastor, and he pastors a church in Lindale, Texas. If you're in this area, it's at 15642 CR434. But I was telling my son uh, just a few days ago, in all the years since I've been a Christian, I've been looking for a church that teaches the word of God to the place of people dealing with their sin. And I was telling my son uh, just a few days ago, God finally has given me the church that has been the desire of my heart for these 50 years. And I thank God that my son is the pastor of that church. And so um, he's not perfect. It's not perfect, but he gets a word from God each week and he speaks what God tells him to speak, and lives are changed. God's presence is there. You know, when the church was really little and there were just two or three people there, you know, my heart was grieved because, you know, naturally you want the church to grow. And the Lord told me one day, as long as I'm here, it doesn't matter who else is there. And so uh, that was a comforting word. And, of course, the church is growing because people are hungry to hear the truth. And so God is love. First John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. First John 4, 8. Therefore, who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Not that God has love, but God is love. And God wants to fill your heart with his love. God's merciful. The Bible says his mercy endures forever. Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love to us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Moreover, then, having been justified by his blood, we will be saved from the wrath of God through him. Deuteronomy 4.31, for the Lord God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you or destroy you, nor forget his covenant with you for which you he which he swore to them. You know, when you, many people don't know this, but when we receive Jesus as Savior, we are entering into a covenant relationship with him. And God says he's faithful to his covenant. And, of course, when we break covenant, we get a whipping. We get discipline because God loves us. Uh, Psalms 103 verse 8 says that God is merciful. 
uh, beautiful picture of God's mercy is shown in this in the parable of the prodigal son in Luke uh, 15. You know, you know the story of the prodigal son. He went off into a far country, uh, began to eat with the swine, and then he came home, and the father received him. And you know, if you've got a well, don't go get him. The man in this in this in this parable in Luke 15, he didn't go after his son. He just left him in the pig pen. You know, the slop is the best place for a person that wants to live in the slop because they'll get tired of the slop. And if you try to bail them out, you 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 support their drug habits, you support them, you give them money. What happens is you're bitter toward them because they're abusing your uh, money, and you're the one that's suffering. You're the one that gets to whipping. But back off. The Bible says my mother and father forsake me. They cut me loose. God will take me up. As long as I'm trying to take them up, as long as I'm trying to be the Savior, they'll never change. God is the truth. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except by him. Uh, Psalms 31 verse 5 says, Your hand, into your hand I commit my spirit. You You have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. Isaiah 65, 16 says, because, um, because he who's blessed on the earth will be blessed by the God of truth. John 1, 1, 1 14 says, in the, and, and the word became flesh, that's Jesus, and he dwelt among us, and we saw his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Numbers 23, verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should uh, repent. He has a plan for your life. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, God says, I know the plans I have for you. They're for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. So when you yield to him on the potter's wheel, um, you're yielded, then God fulfills that plan and you can't, you can't miss him. Praise God, he's compassionate, he's gracious, favorable, kind, friendly, benevolent, forgiving, and impartial. The God says, the Bible says God does not show partiality. He's a God that's full of loving kindness, which is tender regard for mercy, favor, strength, affection, tender regard. And so, you know, you're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works that he prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. And as you yield to the potter, you you can try to perform your good works by turning the potter's wheel. But God says that you just yield to him and you will perform the good works that he created for you to to, um, perform. And he wants you to spend time with him. He wants to communicate with you. You know, the the greatest reason for prayerlessness is why people don't want to pray is that their mother and daddy didn't want to talk to them. And so the lie is God don't want to talk to me either. Um, another thing, I remember when I first started teaching seminars, uh, a girl said to me, she said, you know, I just can't stand to hear God's word. And I said, well, did you have a hard time listening to your father's word? And she went, oh, I couldn't stand his voice. Every time he would speak a word, I'd just go, ugh, and just turn him off. And uh, she had an ear problem, too. And so I led her in repentance to to uh, ask God to forgive her for turning her father 
voice off. And see, that was the reason she hated God's word is because she hated her father's word. Anyway, she repented and went on to be a very godly woman, and God healed her ears. A few months later, after I prayed for her, she said, you know, I didn't know that when you prayed for me that I had an ear problem, but she said, my ears are healed. And so God wants to fix, uh, he wants to fix you. He wants to polish us up. He wants to change us. He wants to realign us. Tells us to consider the lilies and that there's a throne of grace we can go to. Praise God for the throne of grace. That's a picture of going to God with all your problems. And so go to God. At the throne of grace, you uh, get confirmed, established, perfected, and perfected in that trial. In whatever area you fail to go to God, you come short of the grace of God and you receive a root of bitterness. And so um, God tells us to go to him. If we're fainters, uh, we have a perverted image of God because our parents gave us that perverted image of God. And so uh, I want you to think about, um, I'm going to pray some deliverance here in a minute, but I want you to think about, um, you, later you can thank God for all the positive attributes of your parents, but I want you to think about all the negatives uh, of how you grew up and your negatives of your father and of your mother. And then I want you to renounce the lie that that you received that God was just like your mother and father. You see, when 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 parents violate the law of God in training us up, they provoke us to anger. Whether we feel angry or not, we've got an issue in our heart, a place where we get our button pushed, a sore place down in our heart. And so God tells us not to let the sun go down on our anger. So because as children we didn't know that, we didn't, we didn't go to God with our problems because we thought that God was just like our mother and father. We turned to idols we turn to promises we made ourselves we turn to uh, making vows that when i grew up life's going to be different and of course when i judge my parents it sets in motion forces that cause me to keep on reaping in kind what i've sown god says honor your father and mother that all may be well with you and your days be long upon the earth and so in any area your life is not going well you can trace it back to this this uh, scripture that you didn't uh, you didn't honor your mother and father, and so honor doesn't mean you have to like them or pattern your life after them or if they're evil people that you even have to fellowship with them. But it means that you forgive them by sundown, and that's the reason we have so many bondages because we didn't know that we weren't trained. I mean, you know, I had good parents, but they didn't teach me not to let the sun go down under my anger. I was reading the Bible when I got saved uh, fifty years ago. Uh, my sister was going through a divorce, and I was looking for answers to her problems. And so I began to read the Bible, and I found answers to my problems. And when I got to the to the scripture that says, "If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new." I thought that's what happened to me. I didn't even know what it was. I wasn't a church member, but I would become born again just for reading the Word of God. And I read the scripture, do not let the sun go down on your anger because you give a mighty foothold to the devil. So wherever I let the sun go down on my anger, I've got a demon problem. And so God wants me to take every problem to the throne of grace. He wants me to, the judgments that I have on my mother and father. You know, God has a lake of blessing that he wants to pour out on me. And But I just get a trickle because the judgments that I have judged my mother and father have put a block between me and God. 
God has a lake of blessing he wants to pour out, but every judgment has been like a log jam in that flow of God's blessings. And every place I've judged my mother and father, I've put a log jam uh, between me and God. And so for me to have a a free-flowing relationship with God, I'm going to have to forgive my parents for every negative thing uh, that um, was true. Everything that... Every negative thing that was true of their character when I was growing up, were, their, were your parents liars? Were they truthful? Did they love you? Did they forgive you? Did they accept you? Did they reject you? Did they nurture you and protect you, or did they let you raise yourself? And so all of those places where a parent violates the word of God, I've got an automatic issue. And so that's why God says, parents, train up your children in the way they should go, and when, they old, when they're old, they won't depart from it. The opposite of that is train up a child in the way he should not go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. But praise God through the blood of Jesus, through Calvary, through what Jesus did on the cross. Um, praise God that that can be reversed. But I have to forgive my mother and father for every negative thing that I experienced growing up and then renounce the lie that God's the same way and forgive them and break the judgments I made on them to get free. And so to be strengthened, confirmed, and established and perfected so that I won't be a fainter, but I'll be an overcomer. So I'm either overcoming or I get overcome. If I'm overcome, I'm not overcoming. So I have to overcome all these things in my life. And if you're like me, you have lots of things to overcome. I still have so much to overcome, but I get better every day because God has taught me to do self-deliverance. And I have a little book that you can order online on self-deliverance to show you how you can deliver yourself. And I can thank God that that uh, I do self-deliverance on myself almost every day. And you say, well, where does that ever end? Well, sanctification takes a lifetime. And it's a part of sanctification process is learning to overcome the obstacles in your life. And I can tell you that God's delivered me from fear. He's delivered me from anger. He's worked in my life to cause me to be able to trust him, that he's just so smart. He knows what I need, when I need it, and if I need it, when to give it to me. So I just praise the Lord. So if you're listening right now, just start forgiving your mother and father for everything God's shown you, and then we'll do some deliverance. And then if anybody wants prayer, you can um, call in. The number to call in is... Six four six five nine five four seven eight four. That's six four six five nine five four seven eight four. And don't forget to press one. So if you need prayer, you can call in. And so <clears throat> let's just. I'm going to give you just a few minutes to. Uh, Be thinking about your dad and your mom and how you grew up. And then I'm going to take you through repentance and we're going to do some deliverance. And I trust that you'll be delivered today of a fainting spirit. God wants you to to know that he's nothing like your parents. And so just pray with me if you're listening. Father, in the name of Jesus, I forgive my mother and father for not training me up in the way I should go. Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me. for uh, fainting, forgive me for wanting to quit, give up, lose heart, 
forgive me for wanting a divorce if I'm married. Forgive me for wanting to give up and quit and bail out. Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me for coming short of the grace of God. Father, I come to your throne of grace now, and I forgive my dad and mom for rejecting me, for not training me up in the way I should go. I forgive them for not wanting me. I forgive them for conceiving me illegitimately. I forgive them for not not loving me, not nurturing me, not protecting me, not leading me, not guiding me. I forgive them for be lying. I forgive them for drunkenness, for being whoremongers, for being unfaithful. I forgive them for divorce. I forgive them for abandoning me. I forgive them for hating me. I forgive them for speaking negative words over me, wanting me to die, contemplating aborting me. I forgive them for everything I heard when I was in the womb. Father, in the name of Jesus, I forgive them for conceiving me illegitimately if they did. Lord, I take accountability for this illegitimate curse that's come down the bloodline, even through forefathers that were illegitimately conceived. I break the curse of rejection. I break the root of rejection. I break the power of lust and shame. Uh, In Jesus' name, I break the power of rebellion. I break the power of the spirit of lust in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I just, uh, Lord, forgive my parents for everything you've shown me. I forgive them for not bringing me up in a stable home. I forgive them for uh, not being under your refuge. Uh, Lord, I bring every person who's listening right now into your refuge in Jesus' name. I, I just break the power of unlawful authority over them in the name of Jesus. And, Father, I come to your throne of grace now, and I forgive my parents. I forgive them for their shortcomings. I forgive them that I had to be the mama. I had to be the daddy. I forgive them that nobody took care of me. I had to take care of myself. I forgive them for not wanting me, for hating me, for disdaining me, for criticizing me, for tearing me down, for not affirming me. I forgive them that they abandoned me. They weren't there. I believe those same lies about you. I renounce the lie, that all of the lies I've believed about you. Lord, I thank you that you're omniscient, you're omnipresent. I thank you, Lord, that you're holy, you're righteous, you're merciful, you're compassionate. You're not a man that you could lie. Thank you, Lord, that you're perfect, you're loving kindness, you're truth, you're the way, the truth, and the life. I thank you, Lord, that you're love, that you love me with an everlasting love. Lord, I thank you that you're nothing like my mother and father. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are sovereign, that your plans and purposes cannot be thwarted. Father, I thank you that you said if I confess my sin, you're faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you that your mercy endures forever. I thank you, Lord, that you're gracious and merciful and kind, that you're righteous. Lord, I thank you that you're just, you're holy. Lord, I thank you that that you are, you're not a man that you should lie. I thank you and praise you, Lord that you are everywhere at once, that you know all of my needs, you know everything about me, you're holy, you're righteous, you're judged, you're, you're, uh, you're uh, gracious. Father, I thank you and praise you that you are unchanging, that you're immutable, that you don't change, that you're a God that changes not. Father, I thank you and praise you that you are all-powerful, you're all-knowing, you're everywhere at once. You're right here with me. You'll never leave me, fail me, or forsake me. And, Lord, I just forgive my parents for being just the opposite to all of that. And, Lord, I renounce 
forgive me for making judgments on them, letting the sun go down on my anger, not honoring my mother and father. And, Father, I break the judgments I made on my mother and father that have set in motion forces that caused me to reap the same thing I judged. And, Lord, I, I forgive them for training me up in the way I should not go that has set a demonic default in my life. Would you break those demonic defaults that keep kicking me back into the demonic default when I'm trying to break free of it? In the name of Jesus, I break soul ties with my mother, father, brothers, sisters. I forgive them all. I forgive my mother and father for showing partiality. I forgive them for being uh, there but not there. I forgive them that they were that they did not care about me or be concerned about me or not teach me or guide me. I forgive them they didn't provide for me. I forgive them for all the times I went hungry if I did. And, Father, I break those judgments on my parents, and I ask you to forgive me, and I renounce the lie that you're just like them. I just break their. I just break the power of every lie. I break soul ties with mother and father, brothers and sisters. I I call back my soul and spirit from them, cleansed, sanctified, and made whole by the blood of Jesus. I send back their souls and spirits to them. I exchange their image for the image of Christ. And in the name of Jesus, I just command that fainting spirit to leave every person that I've named. I command the root of bitterness to go in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I choose to strengthen hands that are weak and knees that are feeble and make straight paths for my feet so that the limb which is lame will not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Lord, forgive me for uh, walking in ways I should not walk. Forgive me for the lies I've believed in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I just command every demonic spirit, all fear, doubt, unbelief, all worry, every lie that they've believed, all fainting spirits, all uh, losing heart spirits, all giving up, quitting spirits, all over spirits that have overwhelmed them, depressed them, discouraged them, uh, caused them to go into despair and hopelessness. I break your power. I break the power of a fainting spirit in Jesus' name. I command you to leave every person that I'm that is hearing my voice right now. A fainting spirit has to leave now in Jesus' name. And Father, I loose on them um, uh, an overcoming spirit. Uh, a steadfastness uh, I loose on them in the name of Jesus A strengthening of hands that are weak And knees that are feeble Lord they choose to make straight paths For their feet so that the limb which is lame Will not be put out of joint But rather be healed in the name of Jesus Father I ask you in the name of Jesus To touch the lives of every person Who is listening to my voice Right now I bind you, Satan. I bind principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, wicked spirits in heavenly places. I bind you in the heavenly places and on this earth. I forbid you to work with, communicate with, make contact with anyone on this earth or in the heavenly places to work divination against any person I've named. In the name of Jesus, I bind and break every word, curse, spell, hex, sex, charm, incantation, divination, assault, assignment, attachment. Voodoo magic, black magic, sorcery, enchantments, bewitchment, witchcraft, curses, words of death, words of iniquity, curses, assignments, satanic rituals spoken over anybody that I've named, anybody that's listening in the name of Jesus, every demonic spirit of fainting, giving up and quit, I just speak a strengthening to each person. Father, I pray that all of our bones will say there's no one like you, Lord. I just ask you to release over each person a rejoicing in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the truth that sets people free in Jesus' name. I praise you, mighty God. I bless you, Lord. Lord, you're so good. You're so wonderful. Wonderful are you, O Lord. I bless your holy name. 
I thank you, Lord. I thank you for setting your people free, Lord. I thank you that we, we give ourselves to you, Lord, and we resist the devil, and your word says he has to flee. Now, Lord, I ask you to correct the father image of each person that's listening in. I pray you give every person a revelation of your great love and how much you love each person that's listening in. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that each person will come under your yoke that's light and easy, and they'll find rest for their soul. And, Lord, I just bring, I ask you to loose your angels to put every person on your potter's wheel in the name of Jesus. All spirits of legalism and performance, every lie that I have to do it myself, every lie that I've got to strive for this, strive for that. Father, I get on your potter's wheel and I rest because you said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon your neck and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble, and you shall find rest for your soul, for my burden is light and my load is easy. And if you're listening in right now, lift your hand to heaven and say, Lord, I receive your yoke that's light and easy so that I find rest for my soul. Lord, I choose to get on your potter's wheel. And, Lord, I thank you that you're the potter, that you do all the work. All I do, my part, is to yield to you, the potter. Thank you that you will take care of the mess as I yield my life to you, moment by moment, every day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Lord, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit, with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. In Jesus' name. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. If you are wanting personal prayer, if you'll call 646-595-4784 and press 1, I'll be happy to pray for you. And if no one calls in, then we'll close the show. But I just want to remind you of the Duncanville meetings in the Dallas area, Dallas-Fort Worth area. They meet the second Saturday of each month. If you'll go on my website and sign up for the for the um to be on my email list, you'll be receiving flyers for when and where I'll be. If you want a meeting scheduled in your area, you can you can email me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net or call me on 903-262-6654 if you're calling within the USA. If you're calling internationally, don't call that number because it goes into my cell phone. Uh, call 903-882-4200, and my secretary uh, will take the message. And so also uh, be be sure and email me with any needs or prayer requests you have. If, um, if you would like to give to Dorothy Carruthers, who sponsors this program, you can go to PayPal and send a gift to, to D. Churchy, um, are you listening, Dorothy? I've got that wrong. It's D. Churchy. It's D. Anyway, Churchy one. D. I, Churchy one at Hotmail. Okay, great. D. Churchy one at Hotmail dot com. If you've been blessed by this program and you would like to to give a gift to Abiding Life Ministries, you can go to jerrymcgee dot com and it will take you to abidinglifeministries.org dot org and you can donate there. Um, Obviously, we don't do the ministry for money, but it does cost money to uh, to hire a secretary and pay the rent and all those things. I personally do not take uh, money, but there it goes toward the supporting of the ministry. And so I really appreciate you listening in. And um, 
If you're in the Duncanville area, I hope you'll second Saturday of each month attend the Duncanville meetings, uh, visit our website, um, and if I can be a blessing to you, email me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net. And thank you for listening in. Has anybody called in, Dorothy? No, no calls tonight. Okay. Well, but I'm just going to just say may the Lord bless you. Bless you, Dorothy. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you his wonderful peace in Jesus' name.